0: Hi, Liz. Hi
1: Olivia. Hi everybody. Hey listeners, welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. Thanks for listening. So today's guest is Deborah Jodry. Deborah is um, our youngest guest so far.
0: Yes, we're excited about that.
1: Little voice of the millennials action happening here.
0: Yeah, she's helping us all move forward into the new era. Mm-hmm. And Deborah is...
1: Um, the leader of a youth collective here in Hopewell, New Jersey, and she has a really, really interesting story to tell us. She
0: um, has a very unique background. Yeah, and so much so that we split this one in two episodes because she's a good storyteller and also has a lot of stories to tell mm-hmm. and has packed a lot into her
1: short life
0: correct that's true and um still very impressive so it's interesting it's good it helps us all think and move forward and learn things and hopefully this will bring more young people our way yeah she's um she's
1: got a lot of wisdom and a fresh perspective and so here is part one of our talk with
0: deborah that's right enjoy
1: Debra. Good morning. Um, Can you start us out with a little bit about your story? Um, Sort of where you come from, where you started out life, and um, family dynamics, religious dynamics, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, sure. And just want to say I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me and, you know, bringing voice of a younger person to your podcast (laughs) uh i know it's really easy to just want to hear from like your generation so i really appreciate you really opening up to be to be more open-minded to maybe what someone like me have to say (laughs) um huge fan of yours liz you know that so just be ready for all the fun banter (laughs) um yeah so i am one of seven um Big family, grew up in the Baptist tradition. I was born in Orlando, Florida. My dad was stationed there. He was in the Navy. My parents actually met in the Navy. My mom was also in the Navy. That's where they met in Orlando. And then they met, got married, started having kids. And my mom stepped away from being, she was actually an officer um, in the Navy and then just started having kids. And that was a part of the, a big part of where I come from, is that even setting that, that stage um, of that being kind of the expectation for women and the priority around like a family and a big family and raising Christian children. And, and, and especially in that particular denomination too. So there's a lot of like openness in certain denominations of like, yeah, we respect your beliefs and we respect your perspective. And then there are some who are like, no, we are the real Christians, and other Christians don't are actually not really Christians because they think differently about Christianity in these ways. And I remember, and that that was my experience. Maybe other people in that tradition felt differently, but I remember growing up feeling like this is the way, this is the church, this is these are the beliefs. Um, and either, n- even though neither of my parents were, like pastors or like ordained or anything I felt almost like we were like kids of pastors because that's how much time we spent at the church um we were there for Sunday school for church for after church stuff or Sunday night services for Wednesday night prayer meetings and all the things
0: sorry so what number are you in the seven kids I'm
2: in the middle which is when other people say like, "Oh, I'm a middle child. I have an older sibling and a younger sibling." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, I have three older and three younger. Talk about like being in the middle." Um, it was a lot of kids, a lot of dynamics, um, and on top of all of that. So, in my memory, um, my because of the military and my parents' like beliefs, they wanted to make sure that we had like a Christian education. And so they decided homeschool us because they really wanted to make sure that we got a Bible-based education, okay. and did not there wasn't a level of like trust around what was being taught in public schools. And my guess is like Christian schools would that would have been very expensive for seven kids. Um, for sure. Yeah. So we were homeschooled and moved around a lot for the first like ten years of my life. Um, And was your father still in the Navy? He was for the first five years of my life. Okay. Um, So from Orlando, we moved to Hawaii. My dad was stationed in Hawaii for a couple years. My second youngest brother was born there. Then he retired after three years in Hawaii. And then we moved back to Orlando where my youngest brother was born. And that finished us out at seven. Um, And that was in 2001. So we were living... In Orlando my dad was kind of figuring out what's next we were very much still involved in church and religion and homeschooling like that was my life was just like time with siblings time at church sometimes time with neighbor mate na- like in the neighborhood with neighborhood kids but that was even complex because our schedules were different and we even had I feel like my experience was there was even this sense of like we can- they go to real sc- they go to public school like there was even the sense of like distrust around people who weren't from our church of even being able to like build those relationships. Um, and then after a couple years of living there, my dad, um, decided to move to move us to big Sandy, Texas, where there was this group of people who basically started this like ministry in like a gated community. Um, in big sandy texas where this thing was called alert academy was was run where it was like raising up christian young men in like this military style of training but also like they memorized bible verses and it was very like isolated and it was very like much kept to like the families and people who were involved in this organization or group or Ministry, whatever you would call it, is
0: this you said directed to boys, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So it
2: was it was like training up young godly men, but the like style of doing that was very like military related. Like there was ranks and there was commands, and so my dad was very attracted to this because of his military background. (laughs) Sure, and in his head, I think was thinking like, wow, this is the perfect mashup of. Military background and Christianity. He found
0: it. That was it. That
2: was it. Golden ticket. Yep Um that ended up being a very oppressive community that we were a part of for three years. No um, Shocker, <laughs> I know we didn't really have much like I the only time we ever left like the commute this community was for like my cello lessons I remember that when I was eight years old. God I started, bless cello. Yes well, We used to got the cello. I lessons. had the cello. That's Mrs. Racic was my first cello teacher And I was like, that was amazing. Like having the cello and that development of my skills in that area and my relationship with her. Like it's kind of weird to say and sounds kind of silly, but it was like my connection to like the outside world. Sure. Um, Yeah. So that was a very, very highly restrictive, hyper fundamentalist Christian community. Um,
0: So you were um, in this community and you were homeschooled.
2: How like, many girls are in your family? Like how many I boys? I have a young. I have four brothers, a younger sister, and a non-binary sibling. All right, and then, which and they're assigned female at birth. So at this time, you know, what the three of us were deaf. Like there was a vast difference in the way that female body people were treated as male. I mean, that like the ideal was the male body, and the female body was there to support. Like the my at that time in my life, my trajectory was to. 18, find a husband, have exactly, kids. Exactly, that's what I was going have to Have kids, that was it. So
1: your brothers participated in this militaristic
2: Thankfully, they were business. not old enough. Oh. So I think you had to be 18 years old, and they were, so we moved there when I was 7 or 8, so my older brothers would have been 9, 10, 14, 15, 14, yeah. Um, and we were there for three years, so they weren't quite old enough. They did some of the, like, They had, like, family camps and things for the whole family. Um, And there were lots of families that lived here. I mean, it was like a whole neighborhood, basically, that we went through a gate, we punched in a code to get into the neighborhood. We all ate together at, like, a huge dining hall. Um,
0: How did did your family decide to get out of that? Because it sounds like once you're in,
2: you're locked in. 100%. So we actually got kicked out. (laughs) My dad started pushing back on some of the behaviors and some of the ways that men were being treated or disciplined in the in this organization. So it was literally like 18 year old men would come in, leave their families for, I can't remember, like a couple months, no contact, shave their heads, live in barracks, physically train, but also like read the Bible all the time. And then once you graduated from that program, you could go into like other different types of program we like in this community there we had like our own like fire and emt forces and the barracks and different administration positions and then like the moms and the kids just all did like schooling and then we were also like free labor too so we would also like work at the dining hall or for special events um and people would just like walk like we would just walk to and from like i remember i was I got left from the dining hall, but we lived like probably less than two miles away. And I like start walking home and like just a random dude who's a part of this like community like picks me up. He knows my dad. I don't really know who he is. And he like takes me back home because everyone just knows everyone and just like so much fodder. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I was really young, but I only speculate back so much fodder for like abuse and really bad power dynamics and ultimately like such oppression of like, women and people with female bodies and like also not doing anything good for these men either because there's just such a level of like hyper masculinity and toxic masculinity and like men hold power over so I just it was such a mess. I was really grateful to be as young as I was, although it definitely still I think impacted the way I saw myself and the way I saw my purpose in the world as continuing to still need to be some level of attachment to a man. Um, I know it definitely had even probably a more severe impact on my older siblings who were a little bit more like aware of what's going on. Um, So we actually finally left because my dad, who was pretty high up because of his military background, because of his Christianity, all the things, I want to say he was like a captain or something, and he started pushing back on some things. I don't know the specifics because I was young, but I know he started pushing back and then literally we had three days to like pack up our stuff and then we were homeless
1: whoa holy shit
2: and then we just drove around thankfully my parents had a lot of like connections and relationships with people around the country because of being in the military and they moved a lot like my dad moved a lot when he was younger and they have just like a good amount of like friends and community so we just we had a pop-up camper and a 15 passenger van and i will never forget sitting on a, a window seat of our 15 passenger van and just like driving out of this neighborhood And like seeing one of my friends on the like her front lawn and feeling like sad to be leaving her. And then also now reflecting back of like, oh, my God, thank like thank God we were like leaving. Thank God they kicked us out because I don't know if we would have like actually ever left um, if we hadn't been kicked out. And if you look up this like group and organization now, they I think have done a lot of work to make it sound less like culty yeah then (laughs) then it probably is and I I, want to be careful like even using that word like I think it's thrown around sure um I think there's a lot of things that could lead to people thinking it was a cult um I think I would call it that but I just want to like be sensitive to the way that people like use that word and especially in the way people have thrown it around a little bit more loosely I feel like nowadays of like oh people are gathering that must be a cult you know like wanting to be really intentional like, well what do yeah we mean but there's a difference word. between yeah.
0: like a gated community where you like put your number Absolutely. and your password to go in and then you have no access to the outside world like it yeah. it is a more i mean and i don't know anything about this community so clearly
2: yeah
0: um it's just from what i'm hearing yeah. but
2: it sounds a lot more um yes i would agree i would not like i would not disagree with that but i just want to be like Intentional. Sure. Um, this is, you know, my experience and my perspective of this situation. I just, and then thinking of like, oh, if people are like, go and look this up, there's going to be a sense of like, okay, this seems kind of creepy, but now it's like 2022. So they have a website, they have, like, this was two, early yeah. 2000. So. Yeah. And how old were you? I was seven to 10 when we were there.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, and it's also, yeah, your seven to 10 perspective of it all. Exactly. But it sounds very isolating. That's it was, what I'm saying. It was very mm-hmm.
2: isolated. It was very controlling. Absolutely. I think there was cult, like, dynamics there. Um, And I think as an old, like, at this point in my life, I think I would be like, yes, that's a cult. But it's, like, part of a larger system of, like, hyper-fundamentalist Christianity. Sure. Where, like, the goal is to control. Um, Because that was, it wasn't just an isolated thing. It's, like, this was a campus of a larger organization.
1: Oh.
2: um, yeah that is a, a pro like it's it's a problem and i don't have enough like i, I feel like i don't want to go off into that because sure. i don't have enough of my own like <clears throat> information or knowledge to like go into all of that but i that would be an interesting i'm sure there's other people who have like spoken about this community in this group before in other ways but just from my experience of living there it was very isolating very restrictive on what we could wear how we like how we could wear our hair makeup jewelry all these things around like the female body like how can we like make it the least sexual and sexualized as possible and how can we like make sure men know that their role is like head of the house protect their family like they are gods on this planet basically and mm-hmm. gods of their own household almost of like they are in charge of the spirituality of the family and all the things so I think that it definitely fucked up a lot of people and Mm -hmm. a lot of people within my family and even myself at a young age like you internalize a lot you internalize a lot it's
1: a really
0: destructive power dynamic that's being set up well and we've learned through you know talking to other women that seven eight nine ten are years that actually are very yeah um informative for when you are an adult right like that things that you learn there you either spend the rest of your life trying to and learn yeah. or you carry them with you the rest of your life.
2: Yeah, and I would say it's only really been maybe in the last five years that either like there's been a more openness within my family as a whole of like really reflecting back on this time. But there was a lot of wanting to like just kind of pretend that didn't happen. Mm. Sure. For a long time and it wasn't until I think four years ago that my it <laughs> I doubt my parents will ever hear this, and if they do, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> we're sitting at Christmas dinner, 2018. I've brought my now, spi- uh, now sp- uh, spouse, but then just like partner. We had been dating for like a year to Christmas with my family. They also brought their brother to Christmas, and we're like, I'm like introduce like whole fi- family dynamic. We're sitting there at Christmas dinner, and my dad's like, I just want to like pause for a second and just say that I'm sorry about that time we were in that cult (laughs) and we were just like right on well we were like okay thank (laughs) so glad 15 years later you're finally able to like admit this christmas dinner maybe not when we have literally these two new people who are sitting there like what the fuck is going on what is wrong with your family um, moment and it was just like <laughs> oh my god so so glad for the revelation timing place let's think about these things let's work on these things <laughs> read the room <laughs> baby steps sure but. sure anyway so i think they're in the last four or five years there's been a lot more reflection on that time the damage it did um but for leaving that i mean it didn't it wasn't even getting kicked out and being homeless for six months that my parents were able to be like That was bad. They were in survival mode themselves in a lot of ways. Of course, you have seven children, you're
1: homeless, you're trying to figure
2: out your next step. The next half a year was just like, we're camping, it's fine, and visiting friends and visiting family, and it was a lot, I think, to process of that time, and I think there was a lot of my parents wanting it to seem like fun or
0: fine. I wonder, um, I mean, this is more a question for your parents, but as a parent, I wonder for them with like seven kids and having put all the eggs on this basket of like yep you know god will provide and we're Mm -hmm. not sending her to school and whatever and then like did they feel like i don't know did god abandon them or did they you know it's more a question for them. but i wonder where god fell into all of this like when all of this was happening that's a really good question
2: no i think that's a really good question i think yeah, I wonder, like, I, I think it was, necess- I mean, it still took such a long time, but I think it was like the first crack, like maybe very tiny, probably not even noticeable at first because my parents actually carried a lot of the, like, beliefs and practices from this group into, like, my childhood pretty much through I, until I graduated high school. Um, there was still so much emphasis around the, you know, power dynamics of men over women and marriage and children as being like the ultimate purpose of like living um for for women men's purpose is to like have a good job and provide for the family and blah 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 um but i i that is a really good question you know i think i the memories i have from that time are them just wanting to make sure it like it's fine everything's Mm -hmm. fine we're just going on adventures like i i don't know if they actually even think of that time as us truly being homeless like we were we had we had nowhere to go we, we had a camper, we slept at campsites, we slept on friends' couches and floors. But I think there's a, I, I wonder if there's a sense of like embarrassment or like feeling like, wow, that's a hard thing to admit that like, yeah. we were a part of this group. My, my dad wasn't making any money. This was like, we had housing, but otherwise like to keep seven children alive, like they just blew through savings. Yeah. So like we truly didn't really have anything after we left that and then my dad's looking for a job it's like how do you go from like captain of alert academy in big sandy texas to like the real world of trying to find a job and how do you like spin that experience
0: yeah into something like
2: thankfully he had 24 years of being Mm. in the navy to like lead to him being able to find some engine he was an engineer engineering jobs like in the real world but it took a long time
0: So where did you land after Sandy, Texas? Where what was the next city? Orlando straight away? Like from there?
2: No, we actually when we actually find found a house and moved was in North Carolina. North Carolina, in um, Jamestown, North Carolina, which is near Greensboro. We found a house, so I was probably closer to like eleven at this point to rent. Um, Seven kids shared one bathroom. What a joy! (laughs) That was my. My spouse gives me a hard time about this, but why I really struggle to clean bathrooms.
0: <laughs> there's, there's some trauma
2: there. Sure. Um, <laughs> so we ended up in North Carolina. My dad ended up finding a job with a buddy. Um, my mom continued to not work, because even though she actually also had a lot of skills and probably could have really contributed to our financial situation, um, she still like felt and carried that like role of being like a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling, all that stuff. Um, so you were homeschooled all through. All through. Yeah. All seven of you. All seven of us. Yeah. That is a oh. job. <sighs>
0: yeah.
2: It it is a job, but it was also I, I don't feel like a job that she wanted and a job that she did all the time. That makes a difference. To be honest. Like and, and I, I don't blame her in any way. I would feel so overwhelmed by that and if, and feel like I need to disengage. And I do feel like there was a good amount of disengaging and trusting the older siblings. To parent and care for the younger siblings a lot Um, my mom is an incredibly intelligent powerful person who was told that that is not relevant that is not a part of god's plan for your life Mm. this is what god this is what god wants you to do so stop thinking of yourself as an officer in the navy a teacher in at this nuclear power school in orlando around science and chemistry and engineering and all this stuff so intelligent so so many gifts and skills and talents but told nope that's meaningless wow your, ch- your children that's it and in fact have as many as you can because the more
0: the more the, worthy the more the
2: merrier wow <laughs> like a lot of the families that we knew from my childhood had like 11, 12 kids so there's a lot
0: so how about you for example like you're growing up in this household this is the message that your mom received when she got married and started having kids, what was the message for you? And when did you start realizing, well, this does not match what I'm actually feeling, right?
2: Yeah. Um, it took a long time. Like I, I really got pulled into, cause that was the community. That was the only community we had was the church. So we started going to this church about 45 minutes away from us. Um, that was real, like sh- very oppressive in similar ways. Um still in the Baptist tradition, um it was a Reformed Baptist church, which just means like there was particular beliefs that would maybe would, would align with like a reformed theology. Um and then B- baptist meaning that like they believe that you become a Christian and then you get baptized. Or like some traditions they just baptize infants right away and they're like you're already part of God's family, and then we'll like confirm you or like mm-hmm. you grow in that mm-hmm. in a different way. But in the Baptist tradition it actually feels like a bit of a mind fuck sometimes. It's like you're dedicated as a baby, but you really have to prove yourself. And then once you're able to give like a public affirmation of faith, then you get to be baptized. Then you get to truly like take communion. Then you get to truly be a part of like this family. But if you're and not able your to space. do that, yeah, you you really have to earn it. And how old do you have to be to do that? Um, so the church that I was a part of, there's not really an age. Like my older siblings. I think they were pretty young, like there was openness to even kids at six, seven, eight doing that. But this particular church, as I went, like started middle school, there was like a very strong sense of like, you need to be mature enough to be able to articulate like a really mature faith. Like it's not just like, I love Jesus and I want to be a good person. And I want to be a Christian. Like I needed to have a testimony to give in front of this church to basically like what it felt like to me was like, make my case of like my christianness and i remember that causing me severe amounts of anxiety and stress on a regular basis of struggling to go to bed at night unsure if i was saved unsure if i was good enough of a christian and thinking like and there was such an emphasis on like heaven and hell and like if you're not a christian you go to hell you burn forever i mean this is what was being taught to me as a child so it's like gender dynamics i feel like i focused on that for a minute because of the name of this podcast but like the faith part of it it was so destructive of just this like dichotomy of either you are like a christian and this is what that looks like or you're not and if you die you you burn in hell forever which is terrifying and you're told this as a child yeah and you don't think that's gonna like fuck someone up like no (laughs) Can you please pay for my therapy at this point, church? Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it really fucked me up. I was like, that sounds terrible. And just this constant stress of, like, not knowing. How do you know? And I will say this. It obviously has a lot to do with different personalities,
0: meaning I grew up in a Catholic um, Mm. family, country, city, (laughs) all of it. But it, it was not as, you know... Um, oppressive if you want to mm. but I did experience it as like black or white mm-hmm. like there's the right way of doing things yeah. and the, and I it's funny somehow because in a way I think that I lived it very intensively when I was younger um, and my siblings did not mm. um, and now that we're grown ups I like steered completely away from that and my siblings like I mean, aligned Mm -hmm. more with it. But when I talk to them about it, they're, they're more like, why did you, like, we didn't experience it that way. Mm. And it was my experience of it. So like, I think it also has to do with this, with personalities when you're like more sensitive or more, you know, yeah, I would say more sensitive or, or, you know, this right or wrong, like you follow the rules and obedient in a way, Mm -hmm. like then it really can mess you up when you're like, well, if I'm doing everything right, how is it that I still don't have the certainty that I am Mm -hmm. like going to go to heaven? Yeah.
1: Well, and if you're trying to intellectualize something that's just supposed to be a matter of faith, you're going to spin endlessly, Mm -hmm. right? Because you want (laughs) certainties, but there are none, right? You have to take that leap. Yep. So it could, I could see how that could be incredibly anxiety-producing.
2: Yeah, and it was kind of a mind fuck sometimes because this particular tradition we are part of, this the reform tradition of that, is this idea that like God has already made all the decisions. Oh. It like, and there's different, you know, like uh, there's different spectrums of like holding on to that either more tightly or loosely or having, but the church I was part of held that very, very like strictly of this concept of like. God has already decided who is the elect and who is not the elect. And we have faith that, like, we are one of the elect because we are living faithfully. But, like, what am I fucked? Literally, there's nothing I can do because yeah. God's already decided. Yeah. But yet I'm being told I need to do these things to, yeah. to be an elect. But I, how do I know if I – That's this, like a no, terrible, endless yes! feedback yes! loop. Yes! No. <laughs> Absolutely. Terrible. And this idea – And I I remember, like, kind of thinking and questioning a little bit about, like, Why would God choose ahead of time to, like, make people burn in hell? Like, why is God choosing that? And then my parents and the church and everything would push back and be like, no, no, Deborah, that's not, like, how amazing it is that God would save any of us. And we should just be so grateful that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, or at least a lot of our sins. (laughs) And, like, we should just be so, like, that grace and that gift for some of us of eternal life mm. in heaven. Wow. We should just be so grateful. Stop. Stop thinking about the fact that God chose some people to burn in hell. I'm like, what? Like we all deserve to burn in hell. Thank goodness. Not all of us are burning in hell. Huh. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there, it was just so confusing. And I, and it was really hard to like, dissect all of this and 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 make sense of it but I but I this was my community this was my life there was nothing else I started playing softball when I was 12 for like a rec league and other than that like it continued so even though we weren't on this like compound anymore in a lot of ways my life was still so isolated yeah like I played softball but I didn't understand the link like the language the the work like it's like I'm surrounded by a bunch of middle school girls and I'm like I have no idea what they're talking about in terms of like identity and sex and relationships and like all of those things were so like my my language and my world and my life was about like church and the God Mm -hmm. and God and being a good person and being a good kid and being a good sibling Um, and those being the you know like representing my faith and my my identity as like a Christian Um, so about when I was 13 years old I like wrote up this testimony to explain like how I From birth till now, and how my like case for the church, thinking that like I I'm good enough or whatever to be baptized and then to be part of the church. So I stood in front of this church of about 400 people at 13 years old and read this testimony. Oh my goodness! And then I left the room and they voted. (laughs) Um, I was accepted into the the community, (laughs) into the church. But it was like so much pressure. Like I felt like I was almost this like hyper like I'd be like emotional and I had to like convince people that I really was changed but I was like I really haven't changed that much I'm fucking 13 years old like I didn't go from like a crackhead to like now like yeah do they say, say no to people S- like did they used to say like no I'm come sh- back next year I, I don't really know I just know this was the process even if they've never said no to anyone there's still the sense of like intimidation of course and, no, like, mean, and at
0: 13 you don't know better exactly clearly.
2: again another terrible power dynamic yes for sure um, and and a church of, of men who make these decisions, who are the pastors, mm, who are the deacons, who are the, you know, elders, who are sure. the, like, you couldn't teach Sunday school past, I want to say sixth grade, because that's when they started deeming that those were men and mm. could not be taught by women in that church. Oh, okay. Okay. Good times. So, <clears throat> you're clearly not a part of this community anymore, so. Actually, I'm here to. Ask you if you know where you're going tomorrow if you die tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to disperse into the energy of the universe.
1: (laughs) That's as much as I know. I don't know how that's going to manifest. Um, I'm sorry. Back to you, Liz. So, how did you
2: embrace the wider world? What did that look like? It took going to college and getting out, um, which was not even a given. Like, there, sure. it really took me, first of all, seeing my, my older sibling, who is one of my, I would say my favorite person on this planet, one of the most inspirational people in my life and such an example of fighting through the trauma of our lives to, like, be still here today um, and someone I admire so much and look up to in a lot of ways. And at this point, really, like, is my family. Um, when I go home and visit my family, I do my best, but I feel like a second-class citizen. But with this sibling, like I'm like, oh, we're family. This is, this is my family. And then my obviously my spouse and my spouse's brother, we've kind of created our own subset of family. That's what you have to do. Um, but seeing them, they're four years older than me. So I got to actually see them experience so much pain, so much suffering, so much mistreatment by the church as they came into their own queer identity um and me not having any language for that as a teenager mm. at all like i i only heard anything around queerness or anything in terms of like the bible and it being a sin You're going yeah. to hell absolutely um just add that to all the th- other things you know <laughs> um but that was the only context there was no language around like or concept of actual people and relationships and, and living their world, living their truth. And I saw my sibling go to college and start exploring some of these things about themselves. And then I started hearing about it in my house and mm. the, the worry and the fear and the sin and the disease and that like just the way it was spoken. And in some ways it was like my sibling is trying to find their truth. But in other ways I was terrified um, of, they
0: were allowed to come back and visit and all of that, though.
2: They were, but it, it took my family a really long time to break. Like, my parents, like, they, they're they not perfect, and I appreciate the level of relationship we're able to have now, and there's been a lot of work, mm-hmm. decades of mm-hmm. work, and my mom going to th- her own therapy and admitting wrongs and, and apologies. But during that time, I think it was still very much like, how do we keep, how do we not lose this this our child like we feel like we're going to lose them oh. to the secular world to going like going to a university is corrupting them mm-hmm. and it's cha- making them lose their faith when it was actually like what set them free um and what me also going to school ended up doing the same for me but there was such a fear of like or like education because that type of education is what they've been trying to keep us from our entire lives sure. and that's what i like i guess that's
0: why i was asking because that means that that allowed you to like get a glimpse of like, oh, there is another
2: path. And I think my parents handled that round horribly (laughs) and did a little better the next time. Not perfect. They still fucked up in a lot of ways and there will forever be like damage in our relationship and limitations in our relationship because of that. And, you know, because of maybe some more work that I would love to see them continue to do. But there was a I saw my sibling go to college, not just get married to a man and have children find a meaningful career and like live that life. Um, and so that that was the first glimmer of like, oh, I can go to college. I can do this thing. And a little bit more acceptance and openness. Like I didn't have to like convince my parents to do this. Like they, that, I feel like my older sibling really like paved the way mm. for that, which i really What did you go to college for? Um, so I started as a criminal justice major. Whoa. No. I always, I wanted to help people. Um, and I wanted, I went in thinking I would work with the juvenile, like in the juvenile system. Okay. And wanting to like help, help reform, help give hope. And I took two semesters and realized there is no hope mm. in within this system. Mm. <laughs> it sad. was heartbreaking. It was yeah. heartbreaking, especially because growing up in a military family, I really like had a very positive view of police force and military and that, like of, of and it's like illusion not it's not all people it's not all group whatever like there i think but there the, are people the who it's, it's the systems and the institutions mm-hmm. that like make reform and change and like healing really fucking hard and if not impossible sure um yeah so i started as criminal justice major after my horrible experience with my advisor who did not give a fuck about me in a criminology class where this guy was just talking about these, like, brutal murders that he, like, investigated while laughing. Oh, no. And having oh. – and, and saying that, like, you just have to remove yourself from these things. And I was like, I never want to remove myself from the way I, like, empathize and care about humanity. And I changed my major. Mm-hmm. Changed the social work for a semester and then found it to be so boring. <laughs> I was so bored with, like, all the acronyms and the rules and the procedures and the wi- – how you Which have to interact with people it, it a, nothing gets done a be- like i think uh, you know better than what i was doing before but still so many checks and balances and and like a frustration of like am i actually still going to be able to like connect and help and, and make a difference mm-hmm. when did field? you
0: first um i mean clearly the the church and the way you view the world growing up in your family probably had a lot to do with it but when did you first realize like oh i want to help people i want to make the world a better place was this like a message that was like drilled into you or was this something that you had innate
2: i think it was something i i mean i would say like some of my most appreciative member memories of my parents like of something positive is the way my parents cared about other people um my parents never drove by anyone with a sign on the side of the road we would find what we had in our car there was definitely some judgment and skepticism about like if we give money but still the example of like what do we have what can we go can we go buy a meal can we go buy some groceries um that was a really beautiful example um the way we treat wait staff tipping there was there was definitely this example of like we treat other people well Mm -hmm. we care about people um we empathize with people's experiences um a lot of judgment still and, and an ultimate hope of like those people coming to the lord but I have these very distinct memories of like, we care about other people, um, and I think I I also had that within me. Like even in within this context of thinking that we're all terrible people deserving of burning in hell, I really I don't know if I ever believed that. I, I didn't feel like I could. I was like I see goodness. Yeah. I see goodness in my parents in in these moments. I see goodness in myself. I see goodness in even these kind of like fucked up white saviorism service trips and mission trips that we're doing, but there's still goodness within that. Like these are people, we're connecting, there's relationships, there's 100%. joy, there's beauty, there's, you know, like... That's where God is. That's where God is. Yeah. Th- th- mm-hmm. There is goodness in that. And I refuse to believe we're all just like horrible people and thank God, God isn't wanting to kill all of us off. <laughs> like I was like, I've i could I've never fully believed that or embraced sure. that. And so I think once I stepped away, and got to start exploring and and living into what does it mean for me to, like, make a difference. Um, It felt very easy to be like, I want to connect with people. I want to make a difference. I want to help. I want to, I think I was still definitely stuck to some level within, like, this paradigm of, like, Christianity. Like, one year away from my family was not enough to break through all of that. Like, I, I started college very much still with this mindset of, like, still thinking there was a lot of limitations around what I could do still the expectation that like college now I need to find a a boyfriend and husband in college and I still like need to be a parent and all these things but I can maybe like also work a meaningful job or like still help or do things or learn things. Um, But there was still very much this like pressure of like Christianity. I got plugged into a very conservative like Christian group at my campus. So it really wasn't until like junior year that I started seeing significant change in scraping away these layers. And that happened through relationships with people Mm -hmm. on this campus. It happened through learning about faith and humanity and Bible and history in different ways from different people, because I have only heard it from the same fucking people (laughs) for 18 years. Right. Imagine that. Like we learn in community and we learn in relationship and we are changed by the people that we are around because we see goodness and And the divine in the people around us, not in a book that was written by a bunch of people who are dead or by a white old man who thinks that, like, he is God's voice now here on earth. Mm -hmm. So I think there was, it took a lot of years.
1: Hey, listeners, tune in next time to hear the second part of Deborah's journey.
0: And don't forget to follow our show on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.